preocupen, Speedy González se los trae. ¡Yepa, yepa! ¡Y arriba, arriba! ¡Ándale, arriba, arriba, yepa! Let's try that again. A week ago, I spent my life racing against time. I'm gonna help you out today, okay? Trying to save people who were running out of it. Gadget! Until one moment changed everything. Come on! Welcome back to the land of the living. When I found you in the wreckage of that ship, I considered leaving you. I was afraid you could bring trouble to us. What do you think they want? We're not a threat. They won't just kill us, will they? You're delusional. You think those soldiers will show their mercy? Buenos dias, everybody. I am back from Mexico. It was a great trip. I was on my honeymoon. I went to Cancun. I went to the Ocean Coral and Torquesa Resort. It was fantastic. The people were just great. Everybody's so nice on a resort. They're there to serve you, but they don't serve you like they do back here. When, they, when you're served here, it feels like an obligation. It feels like a job, does it not? Is it just me? I mean, there are good servers out there. Absolutely there are. Man, the service was good there. And it's not, it's not gracias, and it's not you're welcome. It's gracias, and they say, it's my pleasure. I love that. It's my pleasure. Yes, it is. I want to use that in my days, in my service that I conduct in my my work day. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to serve you today because it is. Like, this is what I do for a living. You know what I mean? We met a guy named Burgos. Shout out to Burgos. He was a great guy. He took us in the first night, my wife and I, and he showed us the Route 66 restaurant where there were murals and portraits of Elvis everywhere and Marilyn Monroe. And it was sort of like a a diner style theme. Um, there was obviously they had uh, Elvis's car there. They had all kinds of different pumps from the gas station that he used to work at, things like that. It was a cool restaurant, man, and good food there. Good food everywhere. There was about 10 restaurants on the resort. And of course, all you know is all inclusive is you pay up front and then it's just tips. You just tip them and they just keep them coming, like sitting by the pool. In the sun, just 
baking, literally baking my Canadian whiteness. And cool thing, four guys from Edmonton straight across from us. Super, super cool. Um, small world. I mean, November, you're going to come to Mexico and you're going to see people from Canada. That's just, a, that's just an absolute fact. While I was over there, um, I wanted to, sorry, I'm, I'm getting off track. I wanted to talk about Burgos because he, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk about about the service in Mexico is the way they get your attention. They get your attention in such nice, kind ways. They make sounds like, or, ooh, ooh. Not like, hey, or, yo, or, eh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, that's not how it is here. I'm just being dramatic. But in all honesty, like, ooh, ooh. Yeah, I turn the corner, I, I turn my head and I'm, I'm smiling. It's a nice sound. Or, little things like that, you know? And it's always with a smile. And like I said, Burgos took us in the first night and uh, he was uh, talking to us about Speedy Gonzalez. Of course, I mean a little cliche, but yes, Speedy Gonzalez is uh, clearly a big character over there. Um, we had, uh, he did a fire show for us where he just like poured some fire back and forth. I don't know what exactly it was. And then he poured it over top of like this nice cream pie. It was, it was outstanding. I, I, I was, I was really impressed by, by everyone there. And the, the resort was just great. You can go around and grab drinks. Drinks get brought to you by the pool, like I said. Um, and there were raccoons everywhere. We were having this, this, uh, romantic dinner is, uh, the voucher they gave us and you got to like sit on the beach under this like uh, under this what are those things called with the lights um, that surround you on a deck or whatever if it comes back to me I'll say it but anyways it was just a beautiful starry night you can hear the waves and I'm cutting into my my gorgeous breaded steak it was this breaded steak it was like a, a doughy external and then the internal was just this like perfect medium rare steak. And I, I paired it with a nice Mexican Merlot. And it was just amazing. My wife had chicken and she loved it. I tried it. Of course, she's not a steak gal for the most part. But it was, man, man was it good. And all of a sudden, a, a set of three of these raccoons come right up to our, our dinner table. And they're standing on their hind legs with their little hands. Or you'd turn your corner. You'd come out of your room and you'd just turn a corner and there's a raccoon sitting there holding like a ketchup packet. Like a half-eaten ketchup packet just staring in, into your soul. It scared me at first. Got used to the raccoons. They're cool. They're like little dogs. We saw capybaras. You guys know that TikTok song that comes through where it's like capybara, 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 capybara. That was all I could think anytime I was walking through the resort and see one of those things is I just hear that song in my head on repeat. The other thing we saw was uh, some kind of a relative of the raccoon and that was fascinating. It had like this really long tail um, and, a, and quite the snout as well. And it sort of like, to me, it looked like an anteater of some sort, but it's like a relative of the raccoon. There's also cats. There were cats everywhere. There was 10 or 11 cats uh, a night. Different colors, different sizes. They were just like from anything to a skinny little newborn to like, 
these massive, massive Mexican cats. So it was, uh, yeah, full of wildlife. I mean, you got the birds, you got uh, the geckos. Obviously, you see the odd gecko here, there. And uh, just an all-around awesome trip. And, like, kudos to uh, the Mexican people over there who just do an outstanding job on those resorts. It was just, yeah, it was everything I hoped for in that. But today's episode, mi amigos, is not about the Spanish people. It is not about my Mexico trip. I just needed to put that in the intro because it was an important thing to mention. And I've been away for a while and it's, it's, it's nice to be back. This is episode 58. Um, there's a lot of news in the movie world right now. Like, first of all, actually, before I go into the movie news, I just want to say like, thank you guys for your support on the last episode. There was like up over 50 listeners on that Shorzy episode. You guys like Shorzy, eh? Eh? As us Canadians say, I got to get my Canadian, uh, my native tongue back now that I'm back in Canada. Um, I am pretty grateful though. It's like, it's, it was like 28 degrees the whole time we were there. Um, I got a tan for probably the first time in my life. Um, and you know, we came back to six degrees. So that is, that is much better than I expected. And while I was over there, I, you know, I'd spend the odd time by the pool looking up the, the podcast episode, uh, the latest one that I dropped about Shorzy. And you, you guys, there was, there was a lot of you that listened to that one. And, and I, I enjoyed hearing, or I enjoyed seeing the numbers climb on that episode because it was, it's a great show and I hope you guys have checked it out. Some, some news, some trailers, uh, a whole bunch of stuff, basically, while I was maybe three days into my vacation, um, we get the announcement that Pedro Pascal... Of all people, the Mandalorian himself, the last of us, Joel, he will be cast, or he is at least in final stages of talks to play Reed Richards in Fantastic Four. And no pun intended, a fantastic choice there, because he is just, he's the busiest man in Hollywood. You know, I see him more as a villain type at times, but he's shown his range, and he's great in Mandalorian. Like, he is just a good, charismatic actor right? He demands the screen. He demands the audience. He's, he's a mystery. He's, he's, he's a perfect casting choice. When I heard Adam Driver was in talks for this role, I thought, hmm, that's, that's close. That's really close to what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? Um, and Pedro, that's, that's fitting. That's a great, great choice for Reed Richards. So I hope that we get like more news. I hope that, uh, the rumors are true that Vanessa Kirby will be playing Sue Storm. Um, I think of those two together as those two uh, in the roles with the suits. And I just know that Marvel's going to do this one justice. I know they're going to kill this one um, in all the right ways. A Madam Web trailer came out while I was out. Now, who is Madam Web? What is Madam Web? Have you not heard of this? This is Sony's next big bad movie of their Sony-verse. They're doing all kinds of things, right? They have their Venom, they have their Morbius, they have Craven coming out eventually here with uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, which of all of them, Craven looks the best to me. Uh, just my opinion there. But we also get the news that, guess what? Madam Web is coming. And there is a few big names 
uh, for female actors in this one. We got Dakota Johnson, Sydney Sweeney, and a couple of girls that I don't recognize that are going to be playing supporting Spider-Women roles. Now, Sydney Sweeney's going to play Spider-Woman, um, and we do get a shot of her in that suit, and that is about the highlight of the trailer for me, is seeing that. I just... Hmm. It's tricky, man. It's tricky. This Sony thing. Um, if you watch the trailer, you get this sort of Spider-Man knockoff lookalike. And in the comics, I believe this character does travel from, you know, time to time or whatever through space and time. I don't really know the backstory of all of that, but I just know that it looked better um, on YouTube in Spider-Man Lotus. Like it literally, a low budget YouTube costume looks better than this. And I mean, Madame Web, it looks as though they're playing it like Dakota Johnson is going to be ultimately this Madame Web who can transport things, see the future, things like that. Like, I think this is, there's a rumor going around that, you know Derek from Step Brothers, the brother, right? Brennan's brother. He, Derek Huff, he's in this, and he's rumored to be playing Uncle Ben, now, that's a weird thing because Uncle Ben looks very young in this trailer, if that's the case. There's sort of moments where, as a paramedic, um, Madame Webb, Dakota Johnson's character, is working alongside this man, this Derek Huff. And, um, yeah, I, I wonder if that's going to be Ben Parker. And I, I just, I don't know what they're doing over there besides setting up another character for... The next news that has come out, and it's that Sony and the MCU will merge together. We, we sort of saw this coming, or maybe some of us hoped this would happen with Sony's weird little thing they've been doing with their villains. But yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's out there right now in stories that Spider-Man 4 with Tom Holland is rumored to uh, be a Sony MCU merger. So listen... If you want to set up the Sinister, Sinister Six and you want to have this big, badass Spider-Man movie for Sony's version of Tom Holland's Spider-Man, I'm all for it. Like, to me, if you're going to have all these movies, like Venom's now a trilogy, they started shooting, I mean, the writer's strike has ended. Luckily, lucky for all of us fans, all of us, uh, all of us uh, comic book movie and regular moviegoers, we get movies again. We get people to write again for movies. The biggest part of it all, not the producers, not the people who are holding out, paying these talented people. We get the writers back. The writers have sort of come to an agreement. The I think it was like 84% or something um, signed, and that was enough to, to, to sort of pass the bill or whatever the case was there. But it's good news. It's great news because things like Spider-Man 4 can get started. People can start writing on that. You know, they can start shooting. People were a little bit afraid of shooting movies again. Like, like I said, Venom 3 is now shooting again. Like we saw pictures of Tom Hardy on set again. And it's just nice to see actors back out on set. Nice to hear that the writers are getting paid as they should. And I look forward to 
to everything that's going to be coming out. Like, it's just super exciting to be getting news every day again, you know, where you hear about a thing or you see a picture about somebody or, you know, whatever the case is. People are back to work and it's nice to see it's promising. And with Sony announcing that they could be merging with the MCU for Tom Holland's Spider-Man 4, it excites me because I think that Sony would go down a different route than Marvel would with with another Spider-Man movie. And I think that Tom Holland with a different Spider-Man director could be really cool. Like, this guy's been away from it now for a while, so he's grown up. You know, I listened to a podcast the other day um, with, uh, what's the podcast with Will Arnett and Jason, uh, Jason Bateman from, from, what is he from? Jason Bateman was in Ozark, was in the Ozark, if you guys have seen that. And he's also in like a lot of comedies like Identity Theft and uh, that one with Ryan Reynolds. Can't remember what the hell it's called, but... Uh, Smartless, the podcast. It's Sean Hayes, Jason Bateman, and Will Arnett. And they talk to Tom Holland, um, mostly about his golf game, but also just like, I don't know, it's 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 cool, right? Because Tom Holland, he's turning, whatever he's turning, he's like 28 or 29, or maybe he's 27, I can't remember. Either way, he's getting closer to that 30 number, right? He's getting closer to that prime. He's getting closer to that Spider-Man in his prime sort of deal. And I think you have a real opportunity opportunity with spider-man 4 to get some things going in the right direction with sonyverse if you want to bring sony over that's great but please change this sort of realistic take on these heroes or that venom is this anti-hero like have you seen the footage from spider-man 2 the game from insomniac of venom have you seen that clip of him killing Craven the Hunter? Where he just like manhandles Craven. Craven like is a he's a good threat in that game. And he's like a really, really um difficult boss to take on, I would say. And Venom just like bites his whole face off and just like roars and there's flames in the background. It looks like he's coming out of hell. Like it's just that is the venom I want to see. That is what I expected when I heard Tom Hardy was going to be cast as Venom, and we get this sort of vanilla, cheesy, ugh, Venom, you know? Spider-Man 4 is a great opportunity to do that again, to have a really dark, angry Venom, to have this sinister six who just want to kill Spider-Man. And he's like, I want a full movie with Tom Holland Spider-Man in a new suit, swinging through New York, having to literally take on these different villains in different stages and if you want to introduce Miles Morales live action great idea let's do it to continue the story arc with Zendaya or to even have a new Gwen Stacy these are all things that should be addressed and that should be done in that Spider-Man 4 if you don't do that I don't think you're going to have a, a great film and it could be very messy it could be very messy because you look at the, the villains, right? You look at Craven, and you look at Morbius, and you look at Venom. These are things that can work. But the question becomes, like, why is, why is there a threat against Spider-Man? Why do these characters 
want to come at Tom Holland Spider-Man. That's where my biggest question comes in. And that's where I don't necessarily know what that looks like. Sort of lining that up, if you will. How do you explain the want and the need for the Sinister Six to come after Tom Hall and Spider-Man? <clears throat> and that's where we need to make sure that the writers do a good job there at Sony. And, I mean, who's involved as well? That's another big, big thing, right? Like, who's directing it? What does that look like? Who's writing the script? What does that look like? You know, because I would argue that Tom Hall and Spider-Man is a kid's version of Spider-Man and he has grown up with us a bit and he's gotten a little bit darker at times. Like he has moments in Spider-Man No Way Home where he does go that extra mile and he is kicking the crap out of Willem Dafoe. And you just have to think to yourself, like, are they going to be able to bring this Sony-verse and this Marvel-verse together. And I think they can do it. I really do. I hope they can do it. I'm moving on here to David Cornsweet because I saw his trainer posted on Instagram that he's been training, and I don't know if you guys have seen this photo, but he literally looks like Henry Cavill, like size-wise. He's getting there. He's got these biceps, I tell ya, and that is going to end up being our Superman. He's already looking big, and that's a big thing for me with Superman. I hope he's very tall, right? He has to be tall. And David Cornsweet is that at about 6'2", 6'3", and they can make him look taller, of course, and he just needs to embody how big Superman is. Like, he's such a huge character, and it, Superman legacy just, it has to be an absolute home run if James Gunn doesn't land Superman legacy with a standing ovation is it going to be a letdown like can you have a mediocre Superman movie I don't think you can I think it has to be massive I think it has to be larger than life and I think the movie itself needs to be so so good that it's talked about for a long time He's got a unique opportunity here. He could literally take a character that is so large in all of the comics and has been so large for so long, but not really adapted in a way other than what we've seen through Zack Snyder. I mean, Christopher Reeves, those movies were loved. They're great movies. Those Superman movies were great. You can't take anything away from that. But very few have still yet to don that red cape. And I think that this guy is going to bring everything he's got based on that photo. So I, I, I urge you to look up uh, this, this beautiful, beautiful picture of our Superman. And as it's starting here, I, I also read rumors that Brainiac could potentially be the main villain. And I think that's a good that's a great idea, but that's what people have been saying forever. It's just because they want Brainiac too. Like Brainiac is the villain they're looking for in a Superman movie. 
So I think like with James Gunn already announcing a bunch of different casting of even just heroes that are going to be in this movie from a few lanterns like Guy, Guy Gardner is confirmed, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion's civilian pavilion from Edmonton, Alberta. Shout out to him. That is really, really awesome that him and James Gunn are buddies and that he's going to be in the new DCU. And then I think of like, what's the other one? Um, I think of Hawk Girl. And Hawk Girl is a really important one to cast too because I remember her in all the animated Justice Leagues uh, back in the day. But also like, if you take these heroes, what other villains... Because he, sa- he said in a quote, James Gunn, that he's going to be introducing members of the Authority as well in this Superman legacy. It's just so intriguing to me because you can have this group of villains who also exist in this film, right? Like if you're going to go... Like James Gunn's going to have a universe here. It's not going to be... We're not just going to be Earth and space. It'll be like... Things will be explained and they'll be explained well. And um, the key components are really going to be the set design which he's already praised and I really think that one of the key components as well is going to be the suit it always is right there's such there's a ton of pressure to get that suit right and I think well we know now seeing this photo of David corn sweat that he's going to fill it out whatever it is it's just what will it look like? And that's a big question for me. You know, I think you have to have... It would be wise to maybe stay away from Lex Luthor. Like, I don't know. Like, Jesse Eisenberg just did it. Still fresh in people's heads. Whether people liked it or not. I, I wasn't overly a fan of Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor. But he had his moments for me. Like, I had a lot of moments with him that make me laugh or, you know, make me feel like, oh, he did a good job here. I see what he was going for as an actor. It's cool. It's cool. I like, I liked Jesse Eisenberg overall because he kind of committed to one sole direction with Lex Luthor. And it was a little bit weird and obscure and hard to kind of digest, but it was still good enough to get like a passing grade. But if you're going to do Lex Luthor, you have to be different. It has to be different. And he has to be bald from the start. He has to be... Like, I would even think, like, you could do Lex in, like, a sort of Kingpin-esque, you know, like a Wilson Fisk-style character where he is threatening. He should be threatening in a way. He should be. Like, Lex Luthor, in the past films or in any sort of comics, he's been... There's, you know, he dons the alien tech suit and stuff too at times. Like, I want him to be a genius and I want him to be a legitimate threat because if there was anything Jesse Eisenberg was not, it was a legitimate threat. And uh, I think with this Lex Luthor, which it's an inevitable thing. If you're going to continue with Superman, you're going to at least have a Lex in the background somewhere. Kryptonite will be a big thing, you know. There's rumors that it'll take place sort of in the Middle East. They've, you know, discovered uh, kryptonite weapons or something. Like, there's so many different directions the plot lines can go. 
where does Lois come into play? You know, are we going to get a lot of Clark Kent? Are we going to get that side of the story? Do we see the whole birth scene again? Do we see him getting sent out of space? Like, is James Gunn going to put his take on that? Like, it's just, if it's anything, it's super intriguing. And if it needs to be anything, it's that it needs to be phenomenal. Period. Zack Snyder's part one for Rebel Moon has uh, dropped their trailer for Netflix there. And uh, let me tell you, there are some really, really cool shots in that. Like, that's going to be awesome. It's going to be one of those things where you go to it to watch uh, the Snyder directing, to watch his awesome shots that are always in his films. Like, whenever I watch a Zack Snyder trailer, I just, I have a smile on my face by the end. You know, every once in a while I get the chills watching a Snyder trailer. Go back. If you haven't in a while, go back and watch the first Man of Steel trailer or the first Watchmen trailer on YouTube where it's uh, Bob Dylan singing uh, Times Are Changing. Man, oh man. And that, I mean, that's not even a trailer. That Watchmen trailer is, is awesome as well. Um, but that's the intro to Watchmen and it's, it's one of the all times for me. Um, he's such a good director and he's got so many cool shots and I saw a few people on on Instagram they posted and showed the the similar or the similarities in uh, in Batflex shots in the armored mech suit from Batman v Superman and some of the shots of the new character that we see in Rebel Moon and let me tell you I'm excited to see Charlie Hunnam in this like he's a great actor he's really come into his own like I watched Sons of Anarchy and you know I've always wanted him as many I know have wanted him to uh, have uh, a place in the DC universe um, uh, as Green Arrow he always looks that part for sure and uh, you know when I watched Sons of Anarchy he was super cheesy Charlie Hunnam like it was almost unbearable at times and he's really gotten to be a pretty good actor. He's sort of settled into his his niche, if you will. Like, I, I really like the way that he performs now. It's just sort of like he's not trying too hard, but he kind of lets his face do the work, and that's all you really need to do in that scenario, you know? Like, he's not, he's not, doing, he's not doing too much, but he's not doing enough, you know, to, like, lose an audience. It's just enough, and I really like that. I heard that uh, there's a four-hour and ten-minute cut of Joaquin Phoenix and Ridley Scott's Napoleon that's coming out on Apple TV+. And let me tell you, I'm, I'm the first in line to go and see a four-hour cut of a historic figure like Napoleon. Um, I would almost rather see the four-hour cut um, than whatever cut comes out theatrically, but... I'm, I'm dying to see this one because I love sort of movies that are about historic figures. And Napoleon was exactly that. And uh, with Joaquin, anything Joaquin Phoenix, I'm always going to perk up a bit and pay attention. And uh, Vanessa Kirby's in that one as well. She's, she's, a, she's a busy lady lately. Um, you, you see her in all kinds of stuff from Mission Impossible to... Uh, to what's the one that she's in? It's it's like a British film or something recently. 
Uh, she has like red hair in it. I can't even think of what it is now, but... And obviously this Napoleon, like anything Ridley Scott is going to be, you know, he's a bit of a, he's a, he's a straight shooter, isn't he? Like you hear a lot of quotes from Ridley Scott, even about uh, comic book movies and he's, you know, they're, they're boring as hell and all this stuff. You know, he's, he's very, he's very uh, fond of a certain type of film and he is so good in most of his, uh, if not all of his projects. So I'm looking forward to Ridley Scott's. Napoleon. So I had some time to mention all kinds of things that I saw, I heard, I uh, was excited about um, over this past little um, adventure that I'd been on in Mexico. And uh, my first time going there, it was, yeah, it was something of a, something of a fairy tale or whatever you you want to say. Anyways, guys, this has been a great episode uh, to talk to you guys about all this stuff coming out. I'm, I'm really excited to to be back talking about the things that I love, and I'm glad that, uh, that uh, a few of you have been listening on and off here. So, um, buenos noches. I say goodnight to you, and uh, I'll catch you on the next one. Um.